Hello all, before we start the show, there is one thing we have to do because we are apparently atrocious at guessing who's going to get traded to what what team. Not that we thought we were good. Yeah, I didn't back myself. (laughs) Let's just reinforce that fact. Because we're not good, like Grace outlined, we gave ourselves a punishment if we didn't get correctly both PJ Tucker's and LaMarcus Aldridge's trade destinations, we had to do a shot each. LaMarcus Aldridge hasn't actually been confirmed yet, but mm. we both got PJ Tucker's one pretty badly wrong. <laughs> so where did you say he was going to go, Bella? I thought he was going to go to the Heat. And I said he was going to the Clippers? Is that right? I think that is where you're right, but it don't, doesn't matter. None of us chose the box. <laughs> Which is actually hilarious because what t-shirt are you wearing right now? I am currently wearing a vintage throwback (laughs) Milwaukee Bucks t-shirt. And why is that, Bella? Because I think I'm Auckland's biggest Milwaukee Bucks fan. I think I'm Auckland's only Milwaukee Bucks fan. (laughs) Probably. So although it's a win for me because PJ Tucker will be great for our team, it is a loss for us. Grace, what shot have I chosen for you to do? It is... Franco Scholl's absinthe. How do you feel about absinthe? Not good. (laughs) How do you feel about that looking absinthe? Incredibly not good. It's also really large. Like, that is a lot of liquid in this tiny bottle, and I'm not here for it. I've had a fair few shots in my time. This is scary. What I got you is not equal to this. No, but I kind of think it's worse. (laughs) While Grace has to do a shot of absinthe, I am being given this... White chocolate beer made in collaboration of Whitaker's and Garage Project. Two great New Zealand businesses, two great flavours. It's like you've chosen what could I what could I make Bella drink that would annoy her so much. I love beer, but I goddamn hate white chocolate. <laughs> I think it's an abomination. I don't think it should be made. Well, so there was the option of oh, did you follow those instructions? Oh, there's instructions. You have to shake it or something. Heaven forbid you don't want this beer to taste bad. I have to tip three times and then pour into a glass. Oh, heck, I'll go get you a glass. We're back, guys. Grace has got me a glass. I've followed the instructions and I've poured my glass in. So, Grace, cheers for being the worst NBA GMs. Cheers, and I hope I don't spill this over all of this equipment. Okay. How are you feeling after that, Grace? Not good. Oh, I can feel it. It's uh, going very hot down my throat. Would you like to chase it with a white chocolate beer? No, how does that taste, though? It tastes better than it smells. Does it taste like chocolate? Can I smell? Yeah, it tastes. Okay, I tasted some beer. Well, to tell you what, after absinthe, that tastes beautiful. I think that's punishment enough, Grace. Should we move on to the actual podcast? Let's get it started, Bella. I would like to officially welcome you all again to the Basics of Basketball, the podcast where a couple of basic Kiwis run through the past week's highlights of their favourite sport. I'm your host, Bella, and to my left always is my co-host, Grace. How are we today, Grace? Excellent. (laughs) Good. No, how are you? I'm fantastic. I will take the excellent over the good. Before we get into the news, just want to ask, did you watch Last Chance You? No, I didn't. I genuinely thought about it on Saturday afternoon and then watched something else instead. Should have watched Last Chance You, whatever I watched was done. 
Did you watch One Tree Hill? No. How, how would you even watch One Tree Hill these days? Do you know? To my knowledge, it has not been on any New Zealand streaming platform. Okay. So I think you just need to buy the box set DVD. Oh, that was my first thought. Drop that hundreds of, <laughs> hundreds of dollars on One Tree Hill. It's an investment. Well, I think I'm more dedicated to this than you, Grace, mm-hmm. because I did watch Last Chance You, first two episodes. And so how- gut-wrenching, but so inspiring. Mm. These poor men just... There's one guy who lost his dad and then a year later lost his mum. There's oh. one guy who was in prison before this junior college year. These boys just have no support system. And that they have this coach that's just so passionate that makes you want to be a better person. So yeah. give it a watch. Oh my God. Okay, you sold it to me. I'm absolutely, I'm watching it after this. And I'd also like to say I'm a better person than you because do you know what I watched on YouTube? What? Take a guess. Hang time. The hang time pilot, I sure did. Um, they're one of the greatest pilots of all time. After the pilot was watched on YouTube, yeah, YouTube keep recommending me hang time episodes and clips. Well, that's amazing to know you can watch it on YouTube. Do you want to guess who made an appearance? Uh, in the clip? I got fed from YouTube a clip of hang time, which had someone who I do not think should have been on the show, but they managed to get him. Don't tell you guess who it is. Um... The first person that's coming to mind is Kobe Bryant. I it was Kobe Bryant. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> it was just after he got drafted and he makes an appearance on some weird pickup basketball game in the gym. Oh my God, that's hilarious. See, I'm telling you, Hang Time was a big time TV show. I'm starting to believe you because Kobe Bryant is <laughs> on the show. But anyway, I'm the... We more- digress. Moving on, Grace. Do you want to take us away with the start off the news? New Zealand News and in the NBL, the New Zealand Breakers have agreed to the release of an injured Lamar Patterson and he's off to the Brisbane Bullets. Uh, Lamar played just six games for the Breakers where he uh, averaged, and this is in the Breakers' words, an underwhelming 10.8 points, 3.6 rebounds, and 1.8 assists. Uh, he's been battling with a knee injury this whole season, so he hasn't been able to find his flow. To fill Lamar's spot, they have uh, signed a new import, a 196-centimeter guard, Levi Randolph, who has been playing for the Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers um, G League team. Um, so he's got to come into Australia, spend his time in quarantine and then he will be in uh, the breakers also new signings for the breakers are the australian boomers player will mcdowell and uh jeremy kendall who used to play for the rams the canterbury rams i believe so he's also an import and he's been around i think thank you for that nbl news roundup because i don't know any of that okay well there you go and the next big piece of uh, New Zealand news are all the Kiwis who have made it to March Madness, which is the um, college, the big college final tournament um, where all the best college teams from all of the different um, college, um, like what do they call them? College. Divisions? Yes. Come together and reverse each other for winner takes all, knockout tournament, 
So we've got eight Kiwi players playing in the big dance. So Thomas Weebly is playing for Hartford University. This is uh, Hartford University's first time at the tournament. However, they were eliminated in the first round. They lost to Baylor. I'm going to give you a cheers of white chocolate beer. Regardless, well done. Cheers. Cheers to you, Thomas. Well done. Okay, next up on the list of Kiwis at March Madness, we have Tobias Cameron, who's playing for Abilene Christian University. So they beat uh, Texas Tech in the first round, which was yesterday, Sunday, New Zealand time. So they're playing in the second round tomorrow, Tuesday, New Zealand time against UCLA. Um, next up, we have Tara Reid, who is a another boss female. She's playing for Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, so the VCU booked a spot after winning the Atlantic 10 Championship, which was like a a tournament they have to play before coming to March Madness. Um, their first game is against Indiana Tuesday, 5 a.m. Next up, we have Tara Manu Maleuga, who's playing for the University of Arizona Wildcats. And then we have Tegan Graham and Kaylee Smiler, who are both playing for Bingham Young University. Um, they were made it through on a ticket, so they were wildcard entry. They play tomorrow as well. And finally, we have Crystal and Charlize Ledger-Walker, the two sisters playing for the Washington State University. Charlize was the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. However, I believe these two have been knocked out in the first round. Well, I am pretty proud of you, Kim, with that huge list. So well done, guys. I think Grace is going to have her accent to congratulate you guys. Yes. Cheers. Oh, oh. How's it the second time? It was the tiniest drop, and it's still so impotent. Well, congratulations all. I'm pretty proud of you. Grace Chunk, absinthe for you, so well done and keep it up. Eight players in the March Madness is just amazing. Like, whoa. So cool. So cool for basketball in New Zealand. Thank you for all that positive March Madness NCAA news, but I think you have another story for us. Yeah, I was too busy. Um, I was too reeling on the high of all the great New Zealand uh, success that I forgot to mention. First of all, shout out to um, Shot Clock underscore Media on Instagram because they first brought up back uh, early last week. When you Google search March Madness, automatically comes up with the men's bracket and all the men's game times, etc. So, like, the default March, Mad March Madness is the men's March Madness. So what you're saying is that the NCAA March Madness is just, like, everything in life? Yes. I said yes. Okay, so that that broke early on in the week. Next up comes um, these whole um, videos from some really amazing um, female college basketball players showing the differences between, first of all, the weight rooms. Okay, there was literally one rack of dumbbells. That is pretty atrocious. And it was crazy. And then later it came out that um, they, NCAA had tried to say it's because there wasn't enough space. And then it was just like this massive, big, empty room. It's almost like they don't think women athletes use weights. Uh, and it's so frustrating too because the whole argument's like, you know, females aren't exciting to watch. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, it's maybe because they're not prepped and trained properly or treated fairly. Or maybe because you don't show them showing times. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's really frustrating. And then... Fun fact, the WNBA relative to the NBA mm -hmm. technically is more profitable at its stage now than it was when the NBA was at the same stage back in the day. I'm not even surprised by that. Like, that is... It's just so infuriating that people won't look at these things and 
understand. Baffling. Anyway. Well, but it wasn't just weights, Bella. Wasn't what? A more than weights? It was not just the weights room. Tell okay. me how you can discriminate against women basketball players. Uh the food, the food that the girls got was like a little plastic container compared to this big smorgasbord that the males got. And then bless her heart, another athlete was showing off her goodie bag from in from March Madness. Awesome, cool stuff, and she was stoked. And then, like moments later, a male showed off his goodie bag, which was like had four times the amount of um, stuff in it. I genuinely don't know what to say. I actually remember looking at photos of that food and thinking to myself, I could cook something better drunk. I know. Honestly, they were in basketball tournament. Just where's the chicken and buns? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Sorry for that downer, guys. But feel it's an important news story. The it- fact that we've come so far but still got so far to go. The other thing I will say, Bella, though, I've been super impressed with pretty much everyone who's put their support behind these female college athletes, um, from grassroots players, friends of my new newsfeed, to like Steph Curry, all the WNBA players. So I think pretty much the NCAA, everyone agrees I've got this wrong, and hopefully that means there'll be change. Mm. How do we segue from that into NBA news, Grace? There is no nice segue after that D-buzz. I have something of a happy story for you, though, Grace. Please, please tell me. When we talk, Remember when we talked about the Atlanta Hawks firing Lloyd Pierce? Yes. Well, since Nate McMillan's taken over, they're an 8-0 win streak. I saw this. How good. So they're now fourth in the East. If you recall, at the time you asked me my thoughts on Nate, and I said, I don't know who he is. I know who he is now. And what are your thoughts? Really good. I don't know. Well done, Nate. Well done, Nate McMillan. <laughs> Still don't know that much. Cool. Moving on to trade news. The NBA trade deadline is fast approaching on the 25th of March. The NBA trade deadline is the last day in the season where teams can trade players between themselves. It's supposed to be so if teams make the playoffs or late run in the season, they can't just go, okay, we're going to stack our team for the last half and also the playoffs. Yep, that makes sense. So we're probably going to see a few trades happen in the next few days leading up to that deadline. But trades of note so far, as you know, because Grace had to do absent. <laughs> PJ Tucker went to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks traded away DJ Wilson and DJ Augustine. If your name's DJ, get out of the Bucks. Not wanted. PJs, though, <laughs> they're wanted. Tor- Tory Craig. Is it Craig? Troy Craig, who actually used to play in the NBL. He was with the Bucks and he's just been traded to the Suns. Last recent trade, the guy we discussed last week, Myers Leonard, has been traded from the Heat to OKC in exchange for Trevor Ariza. Mm-hmm. It is also reported that Myers Leonard will not really see the court for OKC. So don't be a dick. What goes around comes around. Moving on from trades to people who have had their first appearances. Blake Griffin had his first game in a Brooklyn uniform today. Amazing. Did you watch the game? No. Because you have a job. Yes. <laughs> I did see him uh, on the sideline in the next ga- Nets game against whoever they were playing. That was some solid information. Thank you. you. I did. Uh, I wanted to prove that I did watch games from time to time, and now I've... They played Washington today. 
Who did they play on Saturday? I cannot remember that. Okay, see, I'm not the only one. Blake Griffin only scored one bucket, but in typical Blake fashion, it was a monster dunk down the lane. Amazing. Great highlight, worth a watch. Love that for him. CJ McCollum also returned for Portland in their comeback win against the Pelicans earlier this week. Although CJ played great and so good to have him back on Portland, the story of that game was Damian Lillard. Have you seen the highlights from this game? Yes. Thoughts on Dame? Amazing. He pulled them back, down late in the game to clinch the win, and he dropped his 12th 50-plus point regular season game. This game moved him up to 7th overall in the most 50-point games in NBA history. Wow, 7th. I have a fun question for you, Grace. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Which NBA player do you think has the most 50-point games in NBA history? I'm tempted to say Kobe, but I'm actually going to say it's got to be an old school guy. You're on the right track there. I'm going to give you a... Okay, then it's Wilt Chamberlain. You got it correct, it's Wilt Chamberlain. I'm so excited because I never get trivia right. Another follow-up question. Yeah. How many do you reckon he has? Ah. Is it north of 80? It is north of 80. (laughs) Uh, Is it south of 200? It is south of 200. You haven't given yourself... (laughs) You've given yourself quite a wide margin there. Okay. Um... 93. 118. Oh, my God. Pretty close, though. I'm going to give you that as a solid effort. 118. Compared to Dame's 12. We're going from players who've returned to teams to injuries. First up, we've had Marvin Bagley of the Sacramento Kings. He's fractured his left hand and will be out till mid-April. Really unfortunate for the guy because he was number two pick overall in his draft and he has shown flashes of greatness. Mm. injuries keep kind of getting him. This week, we've also had two quite high-profile injuries. First up, LeBron James has suffered a high ankle sprain and has been ruled out indefinitely. Oh, my God. What are your thoughts other than, oh, my God? I just, I don't know. Well, first of all, there's LeBron's age, so he's, you know, aging. Obviously still in his prime, but it's just really... A little bit worrying to me if he's out with injury because who knows what that might mean for him in the future. That is a fair shout. Mm. I think the Lakers season is hanging by a thread. Yes. Because Anthony Davis has also been out for an extended time and it's Uh expected it's going to be another two to three weeks. I don't really know how they're going to hold themselves. Oh Well, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting rest of the NBA uh, season. I have more sad news for you, Grace. Yeah, I already know what it is, Bella, and I'm, I'm just... Grace's main man, Lamello Ball, has been diagnosed with a right wrist fracture and is estimated to miss the remainder of the season. Oh, another one, out for the rest of the season. Do you think he will still win NBA Rookie of the Year? Um, it's hard to say, but I feel like less likely now, which is not a groundbreaking take. But, yeah, I just – I mean, it wasn't as if he was miles ahead. People said he was. I don't think he was miles ahead. So now I just don't know. How can you win if you're not playing most of the time? Ask Zion. You can't. (laughs) Don't hate on me. I'm not hating on Zion. No, I was going to say, hey, Joe, 
won that fair and square. <laughs> Give that to John Moran. He won that rookie. Uh, well, if Sam Williamson was playing, he wouldn't have. We're going to bring around our news to a happy note. OKC has guaranteed Lou Dort his last two years of his contract. Lou Dort went undrafted in 2019 and has proven himself to be a great NBA player, in my books. His much-deserved contract win, and also all the ridiculous number of March Madness upsets, has inspired our theme for this week's mm. starting five. Grace and I are going to pick our favourite basketball underdogs from the following categories. We have NBA undrafted player, NBA playoff team or playoff moment, playoff win, college team or player, World Cup slash Olympic team, and our all-time favourite basketball underdog moment. Mm-hmm. Grace, can you please kick things off with your pick for your favourite NBA undrafted player? Can I preface this, Bella, by saying I found this starting five particularly hard this week? Why was that? I don't know. It's just really hard to, like, first of all, figure out an undra- underdog and then settle on one once I've decided. I'm Anyhow. sorry for such a hard thing. <laughs> I thought it was quite easy. I had mine right off the bat. Oh, well, that Okay. NBA undrafted player. Okay. I had a lot of notable mentions. Hit me with them. Do I? Okay. So, first of all, Ben Wallace from the Detroit Pistons. Quite baffling. Yeah. And on top of that, Alex Caruso. I can definitely see that. Okay, yeah. He's, but he's like a, yeah, he's fallen underdog. No one expected it from him. And then uh, now look what he's flourished into. No one expected a little white guy who wears a sweatband headband to be as good as he, to be as good as he is. When I first saw him playing, I was like, obviously like, man, who is that? Like, oh, oh, oh look at that silly guy. And then as I watched him play, I was like, damn, he's good. He's going to be the one holding the Lakers season <laughs> together this season. Absolutely. It's all going to fall on this, uh, on his shoulders. I love that meme of Alex Caruso um, when LeBron sort of first joined the Lakers. Does like good. Walking off to the uh, team team benches, and then it's got this meme where it's Alex Caruso coming up to LeBron. It's like, "Hey man, that was really good. I'm Alex," or something like that. Like introducing himself on like in the game or whatever, because you know Alex being such an underdog would not have spoken to LeBron before this moment. So those aren't your picks. Those are my picks. Sorry. My pick is John Starks from uh, He Made It Big Time and is playing for the New York Knicks. I don't think I know who John Starks is. Please enlighten me and the listeners. Okay. He was the original 3 and D guy, just known for being like small and tough and a fighter. And so this was back in the days like um, uh, 1990s-ish. Let me tell you a specific time. Uh, 1992. Uh, where Patrick Ewing, um, big time player for the uh, New York Knicks. So it was John Starks and Patrick Ewing were like the dynamic duo who went against uh, the Chicago Bulls. So um, the reason why I believe that John Starks is the ultimate uh, underdog. So at college, he didn't even make his college team. He was playing in the taxi squad, they call it. So... Uh, yeah, he was just warming the bench, basically. In that time, he was working at the supermarket. He applied for the draft in 1988 and went undrafted. And then he tried out for um, the Knicks later on in 1990... 1990. Okay, here's the kicker. 
when he was trying out for the Knicks, so he was in like that where you just try out for a team for a while and they choose to keep you or chuck you out. During that period. Training training roster. Is that what? Yeah, okay. That. While he was on the training roster, he tried to uh, dunk on Patrick Ewing. Did he? Was he successful? No. Patrick <laughs> Ewing like slams into the ground. Uh, John Starks hurts his um, knee. But as a result, when you're injured in the training squad, you can't be traded. Like, I can't get rid of you. They have to look after you. (laughs) So he just hung around and he was injured for ages. So he was just with the team for ages being injured. And then um, he he counts it as his saving grace because that way he got into the fold of the team and then from there flourished. And he was one of the big two to come up against Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. This guy sounds amazing. I need to go more into Nick's history. Absolutely you do. I also think he was a big player with the whole Reggie Miller um, thing. Reggie, Pacers v. Knicks. Um, oh, right. The rivalry between those two teams. Yeah. That was a great pick, Grace. The whole backstory. That's amazing. I think I think you win this one. Well, I just tried to do prep this time because you usually ask me why and I need to justify my choices and I'm like, no, no, no. So this time I, I planned ahead. Grace, what a great pick. <laughs> I've got some honourable mentions too. Uh-huh. I've got Joe Ingalls. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Australian brother. Whoop whoop. I also have JJ Barea because mm. so great to watch. So passionate. Interesting point. Yes, I'll save that for later. Love a short guy who just punches above their weight. It's not the first time you've said that, Bella. I think don't think it will be the last. It's definitely not going to be the last. I'm also picking another short guy as my pick. Fred Van Fleet of the Toronto Raptors, otherwise known as Fred Van Goat. I've never heard him called that. He's called all the time. <laughs> he went undrafted in 2016. What you're going to love, Grace, mm. he even hosted a draft party. Oh, I know. Oh, of course he did. So the night of the draft, a lot of players get invited to the actual event. These players are players who are going to go on the top 14, which is the lottery and also who are expected to go in the first round or high in the second round. Players who um, become eligible for the draft can do their own draft parties to kind of give everybody around them to celebrate when they hear their name come up on the TV as a pick in the NBA. He had one of these, and he did not get picked. <laughs> but he hustles, he hustles. He gets, um, he gets picked up by the Toronto G League team for a mm-hmm. year. They win the G League finals. Gets caught up to the Raptors in 2017. He then is now a starter and is a very vital key role to their team. Mm. And he also, I think, was the hero of their 2019 win. What? He came back in the last few games of that series and just was incredible. The crowd loved him. Everyone loved him. He just came out and played so well. And I think that they don't win without him. He was so great. He's also just so humble. He's got great work ethic, and he seems like a lovely guy. He also got a contract for $85 million for four years, which is the biggest contract of any undrafted NBA player. Wow. So, so in, in many terms, he I guess he is the most successful. We've both chosen great hustling guys yeah. to find the odds. I'm proud of us, Grace. Yes. Um, John Stapps should still win, though. <laughs> should we be competing these guys? I feel like we should let the under. But if everybody should be a winner in the underdog. Okay. Yeah. True. 
And the biggest win of all that I've been mentioned on this podcast. Love it. Grace, do you want to take us into your postseason underdog moment? Yeah. Okay, so uh, my the underdog team in the NBA playoffs, I'm giving to the 2011 Dallas Mavericks. Great pick. Mm-hmm. I highly rate this pick. Yeah, it maybe is pretty, like, uh, I think they're quite known for being the underdogs in this case. The hardest road to NBA finals for anyone, or to NBA championship of all time, I believe. You say, Grace, they really knows why they're the underdog. What was the team they were going against in those 2011 finals that made their story so great? Okay. So first up, uh, in round one, they play the Portland Blazers, okay, with a Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge. So two big-time players to, to go against there. Okay, so that was in the first round. They weren't even expected to win there. They did, okay? Then, then, Bella, this is the most exciting bit, they swept the defending champs, the Lakers, with Kobe and Co. in, uh, in the second round. Not even the conference finals. They took them out in the second round. That is pretty incredible by them. Yeah, so this is 2011. Kobe had just won uh, last year. These guys, they were a shoo-in, and then boom, come the Dallas Mavericks. Finally, in the conference finals, they beat the Thunder when they were the all-time OKC Thunder with KD, who was a scoring champion that season, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, one of the great, I love this uh, NBA team, Um, and Sergi Barker, who was, if you remember, a Basics of Basketball all-star. We have had lots of arguments at university about your love for this OKC team and my love for the Golden State Warriors. (laughs) I just think these three specifically, KD, KD, Russell Westbrook, and Jane Harden, amazing. Um, anyway, that's, I digress. So then, so so they've been in the Lakers, they've been in the Thunder, and then who do they play in the finals? The Miami Heat with the big three, Dwayne Wayne, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh. And they managed to knock down all of those teams and they beat uh, the Miami Heat in five or six games, I believe. So that is why I think the 2011 Dallas Mavericks were the best underdog team of all time. Really great story, Grace. What makes it better is it was Dirk's only NBA championship. Is that true? It is true. And I'm pretty sure it was the Dallas Mavericks' only one in their history. Well, there you go. And other really notable things, I don't think we saw Kobe in the finals again after that. That's Kobe's last time making it to finals. I think you might be correct. And then you spoke of J.J. Barea. This is where he got his fame. I do love J.J. I love any J.J. fame moment. Um, and then another cool guy was who is maybe one of the most ultimate underdogs, Brian Cardinal. So if you think... I watched that series and I have no <laughs> idea who Brian Cardinal so is. He's sort of like uh, uh, Alex Caruso or Fred Van Vliet of this team in that he's sort of like the, hey, I'm Brian. Like... Uh, headband, bald, nerdy. Fans loved him. Every time he went on, fans went wild. So, yeah, he's the ultimate underdog on the underdog team. Great pick, Grace. Love it. My pick. Yeah. Although it's not 
the greatest playoff underdog story. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pick a team that I actually saw play and was rooting for. Yeah, fair enough. So I've picked the 2019 Portland Trailblazers as they oh, made yeah. the Western Conference Finals. Okay, yeah. You might initially think they weren't an underdog, they were third in the West that year. You would be correct. But, like I discussed previously, how the NBA don't give Dame the credit he deserves, uh-huh. the NBA doesn't give the Portland Trailblazers what they deserve. So I had to fact check myself on this, because I remember that OKC was picked to win their first round matchup heavily. Everyone was saying, the PG, Russell Westbrook, OKC, Portland's got nothing on them. Right, yeah. I had to fact check this, so I went on to CBS Sports, and I looked at the 2019 brackets that 10 commentators did. Yeah. Only one player put Portland to win that first round matchup. Wow, wow, wow. So there were huge underdogs coming in. They make it all the way to the finals, and why I love the story is because of Damon CJ, they also had the starting center injured, so they were even they were coming into it even more underrated and not expected to do well. Uh, Dame has this legendary buzzer beater moment against PG. Oh, yes. And just waves OKC goodbye out of the playoffs. It is incredible. There's also this really good through line of how OKC uh, waved Ennis Cantor's contract. So oh, he yeah, was, yeah, yeah. In the season was with OKC, they waived his contract. He got picked up by Portland. In a press conference, he says, I would like to thank OKC for waving my contract because <laughs> he bet them. They ended up beating Denver in the conference semifinals. They did get swept by Golden State in the West Western Conference Finals, but how they made it all the way there was just incredible. How they believed in themselves and made it, and it was their first finals appearance since 2000. So I just a great story, great actually, great characters, great people, and PG saying that was a bad shot that Dame took of that buzzer beater is just history. Yeah, I mean I can't argue with any of that. You're absolutely right. I, yeah, they was it was definitely um, cool to see at the time. I forgot to mention my other favorite part. I loved about it. Yeah. Do you remember Jennifer from Twitter? No. Did you? Portland lost horrifically to New Orleans Pelicans. Oh yeah. And on Twitter, this person called Jennifer Williams said, "Win a playoff game, then we talk." And CJ McCollum replied with, "I'm trying, Jennifer." <laughs> And it just blew up. So then after they won, everyone was saying, Jennifer did it. Jennifer did it. (laughs) Jennifer, can you wish the Knicks to thank me try? And even shouted them out saying, Jennifer, we did it when they won. And I love it. I love when fans get involved and players go back. For the record, I think the internet is a net loss. But there are moments like that. Okay, moving on. College team or player, what do you got, Grace? Okay, I actually find this hilarious because of the team you picked. But before I get started, shout out to Oral Roberts, who are the current Mouch Madness, who are doing all sorts of upsets. Love them. Big Go them. Underdogs, no one knows who they are. Um, also, maybe a little bit weird. Oral Roberts was a televangelist, I think. I'm not going to hold that against him. But my pick is the 2010 Butler Bulldogs. So in 2010, they lost in the final to um, Duke. They were underdogs to get there. They remained underdogs because they didn't win. But just like, yeah, to get there in and of itself, I believe is a great underdog story. 
Uh, again, they had a pretty tough road. Had to beat out some pretty big schools, Syracuse, and then Kansas, and then Michigan. Didn't make it all the way, but just the fact that, that I think also perhaps it was their first time in the finals. So that's my pick. Butler did have a great run when Brad Stevens was there. Yes, and Gordon Hayward. Is why you said this team's interesting for the team I picked, because the team I picked beat them in the finals the following year? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Grace has picked the 2010 Butler. Uh-huh. I've picked the 2011 Yukon Huskers, <laughs> who I'm going to spoil the ending for one March Madness in the NBA Championship against Butler that year. Can I also add, though, Butler are still underdogs in 2011 with your with your team? Yeah, but I picked the team that won. So they're not underdogs? They were under- <laughs> I'm going to explain that they were please underdogs. Do, I'm do. taking there's a personal attack from Grace. UConn, this team had a veteran Kimber Walker. By veteran, I mean in the college aspect. Kimber Walker himself was actually underrated. They thought he underperformed a few years and kind of wasn't seen as the great star that people thought he was going to be. So why they were underdogs? Start of the season, weren't even ranked. They weren't even ranked in the top 64 teams. During the season, they played so well that they did get to number four. But out of the last five games, they lost four of them. The Big East tournament they went into before March Madness, they were ranked ninth out of the 16 teams. So right. just... In the Big East, they're only ninth. They start from the start of the Big East to the end of March Madness. They go on an 11-0 win streak. Right. So they win, They sweep the Big East to win the Big East. Yeah. And then they sweep March Madness to win it all. Going in, they were ranked third in the division, but no one thought they could do it. Sweet 16, max. They come in and just with heart and talent and believing in themselves – pulled off a great underdog moment of winning 11 straight in that stretch to win the final. And I think that's an amazing story. Go Kimber Walker, go Yukon Huskies. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bella, but is the, at least for March Madness, the layout not win or go home? What I'm trying to say is, <laughs> Big East, they had five <laughs> games before that. That's what I'm saying. I see. Okay, okay, yeah. You are correct. It is going to go home. If you lose a game in March Madness, you're out. But they went through... In other words, if you're going to win, you have to win 11 in a row. Well, six in a row in March Madness. I was adding in the 5-4 I know, I know. I'm just I'm just winding you up. Oh, I've got a drink after that. <laughs> I'm, I'll be honest, I'm still feeling a bit weird from that um, absinthe. I am constantly feeling weird throughout this whole podcast from this white chocolate beer. <laughs> Do you not like the taste? It looks like a hazy IPA, but it's just disgusting. okay grace let's move on to some international stuff yeah FIBA world championship or olympic games basketball moment okay this one i found particularly hard but i my pick is um the argentina team in the 2004 FIBA world cup so my team argentina basically um when it comes to like these World Cups and well, less so the World Cups, but especially the Olympics, obviously people just with Team USA is going to win. Um, Argentina, uh, there are actually lots of other strong, believe it or not, 
basketball countries. Argentina had a whole lot of NBA stars, Manu Ginobili, and then they beat Team USA in uh, the semi-final. And then they go on to beat um, Italy in the final for the World Cup. I do appreciate when any team topples the USA because it's just, you think you can just cruise in and do it? We've got heart, we've got players, we've got chemistry, we can do this. Absolutely. My pick is also from the 2004 Olympics in Athens. This game is the Olympic basketball opener between the USA Dream Team and Puerto Rico. Okay. What makes this story so great is... Puerto Rico is technically an American territory. Yeah. They are America. Yeah. The win streak of the USA team. Yeah, so up to this point, the Olympic record is 24 straight wins since 1992. That's so crazy. So on a huge win streak. Out of those 24 games, five have been against Puerto Rico, and they've blown them out in the Olympics. The roster of the USA team, full of NBA stars. Mm-hmm. Tim Duncan, LeBron yep. James, yep. Alan Iverson, stacked. Puerto Rico, there's two players on the team that play for the NBA. In the game, Puerto Rico held the lead the whole game. They did not waver. They kept their head up and just won that opener, and I think that's pretty incredible. Puerto Rico did end up losing the, in the quarterfinals, but the fact that they just game opener of the Olympics beat the US, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, I rate that. That's cool. So we both have... People beat in the US, which they do enjoy. <laughs> I guess when it comes to world basketball, that sort of is like the ultimate underdog. It really is. Moving on to last category, our favourite all-time basketball underdog moment. Are we in unison here? Yeah, absolutely. Grace, can you please tell the audience what we both agree on is the best all-time underdog basketball story? The best underdog all-time basketball story is the 2002 New Zealand Tall Blacks who came fourth at the FIBA World Championship. Could not agree anymore. <laughs> I love this for our country. And people may say, Grace and Bella, fourth in the World Cup? Why is that such a great underdog story? I would tell you, you don't know about New Zealand basketball. <laughs> I was seven at the time, so I do not remember the, st- the tournament. But I just love knowing the story. I love the build-up. I love that unknown Kiwi surprise the world. And I just love everything about it. Yeah, I I was a little older. But I um, obviously don't remember much. But I very much remember on the news. I remember seeing all those shots of them. The ones that you still see today. Like, you know, in the big group. I remember everybody talking about them. Literally, like, the household names. Piero Cameron, Sean Marks. Phil Jones was in the team. I know. The Reef Tinkered, I'm pretty sure they referred to him as. Yes, they did. Like, um, yeah, PC. That's, yeah. I, I remember, I was primary school days, but it was a real turning point, I believe, for uh, basketball in New Zealand. And, like, people really stood up and started to notice, one, how cool of a game it was, and two, how we could actually be competitive. Some backstory for people who don't know about it. The New Zealand men's basketball team hadn't qualified for the World Cup since 1986, previously to this. And they came in 21st that year. Amazing. And what makes this race so great is that before they even get to the World Cup, they're an underdog success story because they beat Australia in the qualifying. Yeah. And what I love about the story is we start out so strong, we lose one of our best players in Sean Marks, nearly said Carl. (laughs) 
we slump, but we have a comeback win against China and we make the semi-finals. We do lose to winners of the tournament, Yugoslavia, but and we end up coming fourth. But that is amazing that we're the fourth best team in the world for a sport we do not focus on <laughs> and we definitely do not focus on in 2002. I don't know about you, but I still feel there's a lot of um, New Zealand basketball players who are riding that high. They're like still trying to claim it. <laughs> I would too. Kieran Cameron got named in the tournament team. If I, I was him. Oh my God, yes, I remember that. That is insane. And it's just, like we said, people listening might be saying, fourth in the World Cup, one player making the team. What is this? But it's just incredible coming from a country that focuses so much on rugby and cricket and league. There's not a huge focus on basketball. There, never, there wasn't one 18 years ago. Yeah. 19 years ago. And I just... Oh, my God, 19 years ago. That's a really long time. These boys, nothing was expected from them. They did well, and it deserves a praise. And I'm so glad that we're in unison for this. I actually feel genuinely my heart's happy after talking about that. We've got all the bad stuff out of the way first, <laughs> and now we're talking about the tall acts. Finishing off the episode, Grace, final whistle. A non-Bath-related highlight of the week. I thought we could go with, do you have a fun entertainment recommendation of the week? A movie, a TV show, a podcast, and anything? Um, I'm going to go with mine while you think. I'm doing a shout-out to this great podcast. The Ring is doing every album Taylor Swift. Oh, my God. And what this is is it's hosted by two Taylor-obsessed reporters who go through every Taylor Swift album and talking detail about the tracks, about her life while making this album, her life after this album. And as I'm a true basic, I love Taylor Swift. I love this podcast. And it's made me fall in love with old stuff again. And I am so happy and cannot recommend it enough. I'll let you have that, Bella, but that sounds horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Nearly as horrible as despair. (laughs) Right. My recommendation is um, this new artist that I've discovered called Q. Q, just the letter. Q. Q, um, and the EP, The Shave Experiment. Should I give it a listen on the way home? Yes, you should. Done. We'll talk about it next time. That's our show today, guys. Before we sign off, just a heads up, we're releasing another episode later this week that focuses on a famous moment in basketball history, so please don't miss it. Thanks for listening, guys. If you would like to flick us any form of communication, such as a topic or question, um, you can find us at The Basics of Beeble on all socials. You can also email us at basicsofbeeble at gmail.com. If you enjoyed what you heard or you just feel like being nice, please rate and review us on your podcast app and subscribe to our feed. Thanks for signing us off, Grace, and thank you to everybody listening. Have a wonderful week. See you later.